Super Talk Mississippi media production. Come see your locally owned and operated Linton Glass for all your glass needs. No matter what glass you need to replace, you can count on Linton Glass. Call us today at 601-835-4336 or find us on the web at lintonglass.com. college football games good ones for the most part 16 college football games last night and uh, they delivered we had an almost upset an exciting almost upset in minnesota tennessee might as well have been upset if we're being honest i mean i know they won the game and stuff and it was relatively comfortable but it feels like an upset on this friday morning after tennessee got their debut last night and a whole bunch more nc state looked really good Gus Malzahn gets his first win after multiple rain delays and being down 24-3 at one point in the game. And I got picks for you this weekend as well. I'm Michael Borky, by the way. Glad that you guys are with me on this Friday morning after 16 college football games last night. Thursday isn't always going to go like that, but man, it felt good to see just college football. It felt good to debate about what is targeting and what is not targeting. It felt good to hear crowds. Minnesota was electric last night uh, in the rain as well. It looked like kind of a miserable day, but it didn't stop people from packing that place out. And man, that felt really, really good. So there's a lot to talk about this morning. And I would love to hear from you. You can be just like JP, drop a comment wherever you are watching. So Twitter or YouTube or Facebook. Uh, if you drop a comment, I will see it, first of all, and then, of course, can display it right here uh, on the screen. So that's pretty cool. Uh, and also, if you are a first-time watcher, a listener, or whatever, on YouTube, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Just search my name. Hit that subscribe button. And if you like what you actually like the video, also follow on Twitter and Facebook. And wherever you get your podcast, my name or Mike in the morning should turn up results and hit that subscribe button and leave a rating and a review. So game of the night, we'll start with Ohio State-Minnesota, I think. That was the the marquee matchup. That was the brand game, right, with number four Ohio State, college football's darling, or one of them. I mean, there's only six teams every year that people think can win the national championship. And Ohio State is one of those six. And I almost nailed that first half, didn't I? I almost, almost nailed the whole 10-7 to going into halftime thing, but Minnesota just had to score. Uh, to ruin that I would have looked really smart and that never happens so I'm I'm a little sad that didn't happen but uh almost nailed that first half and, and it was the, the game kind of went kind of went how I expected it to but my main takeaway was actually not about CJ Stroud I'll get to him in a second but I think Ohio State has the same issues they had a year ago and it's on defense it's in the back seven of the defense, I think is Ohio State's biggest issue. And it was, you saw it in the national championship game last year, and you saw it some last night against Minnesota. And they're going to see offenses, you you think anyway, that have more talent than what Minnesota had. Hell, they'll see it next week with Oregon. At least I think they will. Um, Ohio State lacks in the back seven of the defense. I think their defensive line's really freaking good. I think they've got NFL players on it. But the group of linebackers, and in the secondary, 
there is something it's I don't know if it's a team speed issue or what, but Ohio State uh, is the same defense basically that they were a year ago in the back seven. At least that's how it looked like to me. Uh, not athletic enough. I mean, Minnesota was able to beat Ohio State in space, uh, and that's a problem. So it's not C.J. Stroud that concerns me about Ohio State, uh, although he does too. I don't think he's ready yet, but that was his first start. It's the defense. Ohio State defensively is not as good as a national championship winning team should be. They weren't last year. And I think that has carried over, and it's the same this year. Minnesota was able, I mean, to complete passes, convert third downs, get in space, and beat Ohio State in space. That's a problem. That's a real problem, and I think that'll come back to bite them. Possibly not in the Big Ten. Uh, You know, they could probably run the table, and I wouldn't be surprised at all. But when the playoffs come and they see Alabama or Georgia or Oklahoma or Clemson, maybe even Oregon. I think it's next weekend. They've got problems on defense. They're going to have to outscore people because that back end, that, that's not a one-night thing. That's not a Minnesota schemed them kind of thing. That was an issue last year. That was an issue when they played Indiana last year. Uh, watched that game because Ole Miss played Indiana in the bowl game and uh, went back and watched Ohio State-Indiana. They've got issues on defense. They've got issues that reared their head a couple of times last year and, of course, in the playoffs. They've got issues, and it's not just the quarterback. It's the defense. That's where Ohio State's going to lose games moving forward. But uh, Stroud isn't ready. So take number one from that game is Ohio State has defensive problems in the back seven. Speed issues is what it looked like. Maybe they can correct it. Maybe it's bad angles. Maybe it was scheme. But it looked like they've got speed issues in the back end of that defense to me. Uh, looks just like what it looked like in the national championship game last year. But the the second one is C.J. Stroud is not ready. The numbers are deceiving, and even the headline on ESPN this morning is Stroud leads Ohio State's rally over Minnesota or whatever. And, I mean, if you look at his numbers, you think he had a great game, 13 of 22 for 294 yards and four touchdowns. The numbers don't always tell the story. It was his first start. He's a young quarterback. You know, maybe things will change moving forward, but he's got some issues. I mean, accuracy was the biggest issue. and Maybe he was just hyped up, and his first game was in a difficult road environment. Uh, Pretty good-ish Minnesota team. It was raining, but uh, there's a lot of things that he's got to improve on. Pocket awareness being... Uh, the most important one. He panicked in clean pockets, at least clean for college, multiple times last night. Bailed out. There was one third down I remember in particular where he bailed from a completely clean pocket. All he had to do was just slide a little bit, and he could have delivered a football down the field to one of the one of their best wide receivers in America. I mean, Ohio State's got a, a ton of them. Ohio State has four wide receivers that will be first-round picks at some point in their career, it feels like. Uh, he looked so uncomfortable in the pocket and not until later when Ohio State kind of wore down Minnesota and then beat them with a couple of short passes. Maybe that is what settled him down and stuff like that. But uncomfortability in the pocket um, is something that needs to change quickly for him or else Ohio State's not meeting expectations. Accuracy is also an issue. Wasn't that accurate last night? And 
if you believe Mike Leach, uh, I've heard Mike Leach say many times, you can't teach accuracy. At some point, you are who you are as far as how you can accurately throw the football. Again, it's one game. It's his first game. He can improve. Absolutely, he can improve. Uh, But if this is supposed to be a national championship winning team, that improvement can't take two years. That improvement has to take two days. (laughs) Because I'll double check. I should have this up in front of me. But I think Ohio State has Oregon next weekend. Yeah, that's next weekend. They have Oregon, and he's got to improve a lot of things or they're going to lose next weekend at home to Oregon. Um, That's the difference. I've talked about young quarterbacks and patience with you guys before. I did it with Will Rogers. I mean, I have ripped on Mississippi State fans that are already out on Will Rogers because as a freshman, he wasn't a Heisman contender. He was a freshman, a true freshman. You don't just snap your fingers and become a high-level college football quarterback. So I, unless I was being a hypocrite, I would have to apply the same principle to that of C.J. Stroud. He's a young quarterback. This is his first game action. You can't expect him to be a Heisman contender in day one, but he plays for Ohio State, and that comes with a different set of standards. He has got to get better because those no, the, the stats deceive you from what the performance was. Not accurate, happy feet in the pocket, not comfortable. Uh, he's got to improve greatly if they're going to be a national championship winning team. Has got to improve greatly. Um, more likely, Ohio State, Reb for Life is asking, Ohio State wins national championship or Minnesota goes 11-1. and one. Uh, Minnesota goes 11-1 and one to me is more likely. And I, I, honestly, I don't think either one is likely. It, it's one game. You know, it, I'll do this on Saturday night. Uh overreaction where where you just or I might save that for Monday I don't know after week one every year on the radio show I I make us do an overreaction Monday segment where we take what we saw and completely blow everything out of proportion intentionally you know just completely overreact to what we saw Uh, but I didn't see a national championship winning team last night I didn't see a quarterback that will take them there, and I didn't see a defense that was capable of stopping the other five teams that could possibly win one. So the answer, the cop-out answer is neither, but if you told me to pick which one was more likely, it's Minnesota somehow runs the table because I did not see a national championship winning team uh, out of Ohio State last night. There are too many holes, and they have the best group of wide receivers in the country and a quarterback that can't get them the football. That's an issue. Uh, William, I have not established the time yet for for Saturday night, um, uh, it just depends, honestly. Because let, let's say for a second, Ole Miss and Mississippi State have a, a start time of 7 o'clock. Well, I'm not going to fire this up before their game's over. Or should I? I, I don't know. Uh, I think tentatively I'll shoot for 9.30. I think 9.30 will be the start time every week. Now... In three weeks, I'll be gone on Saturday night. Uh, I'm going to a bachelor party, but I'll probably do one of these Sunday morning. Um, Stuff like that might come up every now and then, so that's why I haven't established like a hard time. But uh, that's what I'm shooting for this Saturday, 9, 9.30. Somewhere in there is when I'll fire this up. I'll have to play it by ear based on you know what I've got going on. This fall, I've got a bachelor party, and then that guy's getting married like two weeks later. Uh, luckily, that's local here in town. Uh, for me in the content business, but uh, bachelor party, got a wedding, 
my son's birthday. We're going to have a little party for that. My wife's birthday is coming up. So it's going to be, it's going to have to be a little bit flexible uh, on that. October is an expensive month for me with my son and my wife's birthday and a wedding also this year. It's, um, yeah, yeah, expensive month for me. So keep subscribing to YouTube. Help me pay for all this stuff. <laughs> anyway, uh, anyway. Don't, the thing I loved, aside from the crowd, which I love to hear it and see it and all that, was the fact that we got to debate targeting again. I love that we got to debate targeting again because nobody knows what the hell it is. Uh, here's what I'll say. I think that that was the right call to not call that targeting last night, and here's why. And I'm not exactly looking at it from letter of the rule. I'm looking at it from a practicality standpoint. So, And I'm not going to tell you you're wrong for thinking it is. I'm not going to be that guy. I'm not going to tell you my my position here is right and yours is wrong. I, I can see why people think it was. And I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. But here's why I think it was the right call. First of all, when you slow something down to super slow-mo replay, you can see whatever your eyes want you to see. The game happens so fast. So, 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 so fast. And the defender clearly sized up the receiver, and then the receiver lowered his body position. The defender had already committed to where he was going to apply the hit. And if the receiver does not lower his body position at the last second, Face would have been perfectly, like right around here, in the upper arm shoulder area. It would have been a completely clean hit. But when you when you watch the super slow-mo replay, guy catches a football, knows a hit's coming, and he drops his upper body. And so that's why the Ohio State defender's helmet was high. It wasn't because he was high. He was intentionally high. If you watch the replay, he is here, receiver's here, at the last second, receiver drops his body, and that's when the contact happens. And it's easy to think in slow motion that, well, it was a helmet to helmet. And yes, his, his helmet hit the back of the Minnesota player's helmet. But if we're kicking guys out of the game for something that happens inadvertently, I think it's a bad rule, and I'm okay with the call as placed. It happens so fast. That as a defender, when you size up the receiver and you are you are committed to where you're going to make contact with him and he lowers his body position, you cannot adjust in time. It's impossible to adjust in time. It's impossible. And then I saw people say, well, he led with the crown. No, he didn't. Fine. I'm not an anatomy guy. Like I studied journalism in college, right? But tell me how you can lower the upper half of your body to make a hit, whether it be with your shoulder. He, he kind of did one of those where he, he made contact and then used his arms to like finish the play. But tell me how you can lower the upper half of your body and not bring your head with it. Like, well, he hit him with his head. How can you not? The only way you cannot hit a guy with your head is if you like move your neck over and like bump him with your shoulder, I guess. I mean, what can you do with your body that brings your shoulders and your chest Without your head. Because your neck is attached to your shoulders. So if you're going to bring your shoulders down, your neck has to come down. You cannot, with a helmet and shoulder pads, hit a guy like this. It's impossible. So yeah, often, basically almost every hit, 
the, the face, the head is the first thing that makes contact with the person's body. I did not see a complete drop of his head. He did, of course, lower his head because his shoulders came down, but it wasn't egregious. He wasn't intentionally going for the head based on, if you watch the video again, receiver drops his body position at the last second and you can't adjust when that happens. You cannot adjust. So I'm coming at it from a, that guy should not get kicked out of the game for that hit. He was not head hunting. It was a clean hit. He brought his arms with it. Like he finished the hit with his, with his arms. Um, I guess, you know, letter of the rule, helmet-to-helmet contact, defenseless player, whatever. But that hit and what he did should not get you kicked out of a game. That should not be an ejection. If you want to do targeting one, targeting two, fine. But if that hit was going to get a guy kicked out of a game, I, I, I don't want it. I don't, I don't want that part of the game. Football is an inherently violent sport. There are going to be violent things that happen, and players are going to get hurt. It, it's part of the game. But when you have a guy who has sized up the ball carrier and the ball carrier at the last second changes and lowers his body position, what what can he do in that moment? There's nothing he can do to alter his body position and not hit him high when he dropped himself at the last second. So I'm not going to tell you you're wrong for thinking it was targeting. Their helmets did touch each other. No doubt about it. None. So I, I, I can't argue with you there but watching that myself I know how fast the game is and I know that the receiver dropped his body position and you cannot bring your upper body into something without your head coming with it I don't think a guy should get kicked out of the game for a hit like that there it was not malicious he did not launch upwards into his head clearly was just trying to make a football play and dislodge the football and you, and even like hit and finished with his arms. Uh, I would show you, by the way, but the video I saved last night uh, has been taken off due to copyright because we're still doing that in 2021. Uh, nothing like free promotion that you take away from yourself if you're Fox. But anyway, so that, that's where I come from on it. That's why I think it should not be targeting because the receiver lowered his position after the defender committed to where he was going to be. If the receiver never lowers his body, the defender hits him right around here, chest, shoulder, definitely not in the helmet, and that's why I don't think he should be kicked out of the game for targeting because of that. That's just me. Uh, but I, I'm not going to tell you guys are wrong. I'm just glad we get to debate stuff like this again instead of COVID protocols and, and stuff like that. I mean, I, I know I'm not naive. I know it's still around and stuff like that, but it was nice to have normalcy last night. And it's going to be nice to have normalcy tomorrow as well. Patrick says that was targeting clearly helmet to helmet. Refs weren't about to call that on Ohio State. I'm just curious what the call would have been if it was the opposite team or Alabama. Ohio State did get called for what I thought is a kind of a lame roughing the passer. And I know, again, I know what the rule says. Your hands can't touch the quarterback's helmet or whatever. But an Ohio State defender comes up to block the pass. And then he brings his hands down and one like grazes the back of the helmet of the Minnesota quarterback and it's 15 yards. I mean, it's football, man. That's what I kept going back to. It's football. It's football. Sometimes the quarterback's going to get knocked down and his head might get touched by a hand. I, I, I don't like that kind of stuff. Certain hits need to be legislated out of the game. 
a hand grazing the helmet of a quarterback, the back of the helmet of a quarterback, you know, there's a reason he's got one. I don't know. I don't know. I don't mean to be like tough guy or whatever, but I thought that was a joke. So um, I'm okay with the the no targeting call. I'm okay with it. Um, and, and, you know, I, I certainly am not going to argue with the, you know, if it was Alabama, what would it be like thing? Because we have example upon example of what it would be like. But anyway, I'm okay with the no call there. I think the guy should have stayed in the game. It was not a malicious hit. He was just making a football play. He was just making a football play. Tennessee, how about the Vols last night? Rocky Top, you'll always be disappointing to me. Good old Rocky Top, Rocky Top, Tennessee. Wow. Um, Got off to a decent start. You know, they looked okay at first, but it feels like Tennessee was upset last night, (laughs) doesn't it? I mean, it's one game. And so this is overreaction Friday. Completely overreacting to one game. Tennessee might show up next weekend and blow Pittsburgh out of the water. Tennessee is awful based on our one game sample size. Bowling Green is one of the worst teams in the country in FBS. Also one of the youngest teams in FBS. Uh, They had the majority of their roster seeing their first college action last night on the offensive line if I heard Tom Hart correctly their center was a walk-on I think the only walk-on center in America starting and their right tackle started playing offensive line four weeks ago this is a team that went winless last year one of the youngest teams in all of college football and they were starting a walk-on at center and apparently a guy that started playing offensive line four weeks ago at right tackle one of the worst teams in the FBS, and they were able to neutralize Tennessee's super-fast hurry-up offense. If I'm a Tennessee fan this morning, I am very uncomfortable, extremely uncomfortable. I saw, uh, I know a couple of good guys that do uh, this kind of thing. It's their full-time gig at A to Z Sports uh, based out of Nashville, but they do you know, live YouTube, Periscope, Facebook stuff. They have a website. They cover the Titans and the Predators and obviously Tennessee being based in Nashville. And apparently some of their commenters last night were frustrated with their analysis of not being satisfied with how they looked last night. And I think Austin said on Twitter, and he's right, he's like, it's not about winning a game over Bowling Green. Bowling Green's awful. It's about what they look like compared to their opponent's upcoming in the SEC and even Pittsburgh next weekend. And that was not a satisfactory performance. And I agree with him completely. It's the first game and, you know, there's going to be some growing pains with Heupel and stuff like that. But that was awful, awful last night. Tennessee does not look like a team that's going to win very many SEC games. Rep for life, will they win an SEC game? I mean, there's some chances. You know, they've got Vanderbilt. Um, Not everybody's going to be good in the SEC. South Carolina, I think, is going to be very, very bad. Um, you know, maybe they can get Kentucky or something, but no, I mean, it's, it's awful. They were much better than Bowling Green on the lines of scrimmage. Bowling Green couldn't do much offensively because poor quarterback just didn't have much time uh, to get rid of the football and Bowling Green couldn't run the football because again, they had a walk on and a brand new right tackle on the offensive line. So I'm not surprised that Tennessee was able to dominate up front because that's what they're supposed to. 
but Joe Milton, as as impressive of a physical stature he has, I mean, he looks physically kind of like Cam Newton. He's huge. Uh, he's got a big arm, too, as far as like the ability to throw it super hard. Accuracy is a major issue, has no touch whatsoever, and he stands flat-footed in the pocket. It's You know, you can run this super-fast hurry-up offense all day long, but if you don't have the quarterback to make the plays, it doesn't matter. Um, Bowling Green adjusted some to Tennessee in the second quarter, and Tennessee, what was it, nine straight incompletions. Tennessee against Bowling Green completed 11 passes last night, and it's Joe Milton's first real start and stuff like that. And I get it. You know, maybe he can improve as the season goes. He absolutely can improve as the season goes. Um, But game number one, first audition, was awful. And just like what I said with C.J. Stroud, there's only so much you can do as far as accuracy and touch. Like, that's not something that you just improve from one week to the next is accuracy and touch on your deep ball. Milton is awful, at least was last night, throwing the deep ball. No touch whatsoever. Um, It's going to be a long and hard year for Tennessee. That's really the the only real takeaway here is um, they're going to be quite bad. The way I looked at this game, because Ole Miss plays them, Mississippi State does not. I figured Ole Miss going into the season was going to be better than Tennessee and that this game was going to be still tough. It's sandwiched in a difficult spot for Ole Miss and going on the road in the SEC is never easy. Uh, I've changed that to where I expect them to win that game. Not like a, they should win, but it's a toss-up. Like Ole Miss should win that game. Without seeing Ole Miss yet, Tennessee's bad. Objectively bad. Bowling Green, again, one of the worst teams in all of college football, winless last year, youngest team in America, walk on at center, right tackle that played, started playing offensive line four weeks ago. And that is what Tennessee did to that team. Uh, not good at all. And the super fast, no huddle, hurry up offense is only effective if you can get the ball out and have an accurate quarterback. And it didn't look like they were in great shape to do it either. I'm sure it was a miserably hot night up there in Knoxville last night, but it looked like Tennessee early started wearing down, like they were wearing themselves down. The no huddle is great if you're in shape for it, but I didn't exactly, especially when they get into SEC play, and they're trying to do that, snap the football with four seconds taken off of the game, uh, the play clock. You going to do that in Gainesville in three weeks? Um. Okay. You know, that's an observation. Those kind of observations are um, are some that I don't like making because I can't quantify it, but I saw a team that didn't look like they were physically ready to run that kind of an offense. But I don't know. Quarterback play, not good. Overall performance, not good at all. Thousands and thousands of empty seats there in Knoxville. The fans are in wait-and-see mode, and they were not proven anything. I did that myself. I'm an idiot. Um, <laughs> that wasn't my internet this time. That was me. But yeah, they um, they had something to prove last night. 
and uh, and did not prove it. And the fans that are in wait-and-see mode are still going to be waiting around to see. And they've got a tough game with Pittsburgh next weekend, and I'm not convinced they're going to win that game. In fact, I wouldn't even have them as the favorite going into it, if we're being honest. Colby says, Saturday down south thought they beat Boise State. Um, did they really? Gosh, that's embarrassing. Gus beat Boise State last night, though. That was fun. It was late. I'm going to be honest, I didn't stay up to watch the end of that game, but good for Gus. I mean, they were down, what, 24-3 to or something at one point in that game. Uh, Mackenzie Milton threw a bad pick six early, and I think it's going to work there for Gus. I was, uh, I always thought he got a bad rap at Auburn because I don't know if anybody was going to be successful, like majorly successful, sharing a state with Nick Saban. And when you look at his track record, it certainly was not elite, but again, sharing a state with Nick Saban, they could have done a hell of a lot worse. And I always thought he got kind of a bad rap. Um, it's going to work there, and, and I was kind of happy to see him uh, get a win last night. And Mackenzie Milton back on the field is just awesome considering what he's been through. And, uh, yeah, big win. Big win for Gus last night. Um, but, again, I'm going to be honest. I did not stay up to uh, – or not Mackenzie Milton. I keep saying that. He's at Florida State Sunday. Dylan Gabriel, forgive me. Mackenzie Milton's at Florida State. Again, I'm an idiot. Um, thank you. Yeah, I'd, that's tough. Can I just start over? You know, turn the stream off, come back on. Get names right this time. Anyway, NC State looked sharp last night. I can't quite figure out what I make of that game. This is the difficult part of games like this. Because as you guys know, NC State is in Starkville next weekend. Uh, very important game for Mississippi State next weekend with NC State coming in town. Very important game for Mike Leach. A big-time measuring stick game. For the Bulldogs, but how much do you actually read into the way they played last night? Because on one hand, NC State looked really, really, really good last night. Devin Leary had a bad interception, though. Deeply underthrew a wide-open receiver. Uh, deeply underthrew him. And it led to an interception. That score should have honestly been worse than it was. But Leary's an experienced quarterback and recovered nicely and played well. Um, for what I saw anyway, I was flipping back and forth between four games last night. Um, but so get, Leary looked fine. Zonovan Knight's a really, really, really good running back for NC State. Um, I don't know who Ricky Pearson is, but he had 100 yards plus himself also. They ran for 293 in the game. So on one hand, they looked really sharp. Also didn't give up any points to what people think might be a pretty decent-ish UCF offense, I guess. I don't know. Um, but that's exactly the point. I don't know. What can we read into NC State and the way they looked? On one hand, they looked great, really sharp. On the other, it's South Florida. They should look really sharp, and they should run for a bunch of yards, and Leary should look good against South Florida. So I've been wrestling with that. How much does the way they looked last night change the way I think about this game next weekend? I think I'll reserve that for after I see Mississippi State play. Because if State doesn't look as sharp as NC State did, then it might change the way I look at that game. But it's a big test. I think there are some people around here that are kind of overlooking that one. Uh, I have heard from a bunch of State fans that think that you know that's a game that they're going to win. And 
oh, NC State's not ready for for the cowbells and and people are just putting W next to that one. And uh, I'm not so convinced, especially after watching last night. They've got a great running game. They really do. Zonovan Knight's a player, an NFL player, and a really experienced quarterback. They're not going to be intimidated by a, a road atmosphere, and they looked really comfortable, and they get a couple of days of extra rest and preparation for whatever that may be worth to you. Prep for Life says NC State will be favored. I it, We'll see. If, if Mississippi State also wins, what was it, 45 to nothing, then probably not. But if it's uh, if it's a little tighter, then I can definitely see that happening. Um, Zach didn't get the live notification? Huh. I wonder why that is. And you watch on YouTube, so, huh. And I assume you have the bell on if, you, if you're talking about notifications. That's I, I don't know why that would have happened, because everything on, on my end from the software looks uh, looks good. So, um, that stinks. So, anyway. Uh, sorry about that. I don't know what happened there. I'll uh, StreamYard, the, the service I use, actually has like a live person that you can send messages to if something went wrong, like always, and they respond right away. It's awesome. Uh, so I'll ask them about that and see if there's anything that they can detect. So don't know how much to read into NC State at all. Um, I have no idea. I have no idea. But I know that they looked really, really good last night, really sharp. Other scores that stood out, if there were any, I mean, again, Ohio State beat Minnesota. We talked about that a second ago. Gus Bus got his first win after being down 24 to three, if I remember correctly. But that was a late one after some rain delays. NC State looks good. Appalachian State beat up on East Carolina. That's a, a future uh, South Carolina opponent, for whatever it's worth to you, is ECU. Uh, we had our first FCS FBS upset last night. UC Davis and Dan Hawkins. That's a name that'll bring you guys back. Went into Tulsa last night and beat the Golden Hurricane. So there you go. Um, anything else that stood out? Eastern Washington. You had your second one. You had your first two. Eastern Washington went on the road to UNLV and uh, and beat the Running Rebels last night as well in overtime. So double overtime. So there you go. There's your there's your quirk. Your first FCS FBS upset. Otherwise, I mean, you know, unless you guys want me to break down Buffalo scoring 69 nice points on Wagner, then that's your night. That's your night. And we got a big weekend ahead now. I've got some picks for you. I've got some picks for you. Uh, Ohio State, Minnesota was a push last night. I'm not going to keep that on my record because, I mean, I guess I could, but it's, um, but, you know, it's a push. Who cares? I'm just going to do wins and losses. I've got three for you. Three picks for you, uh, and I'll start with Miami plus the 19 and a half. I just, that big line is too attractive to me. I think you might see uh, a similar situation with Alabama that you saw Ohio State last night. New young quarterback, first game action, maybe takes him a little while to get going. Uh, if De'Eric King is fully healthy off of that ACL tear last year, then he could give Alabama some fits. 19 and a half points is just a lot of points. So, Betting against Nick Saban's a stupid thing to do. I know how stupid it is, but I'm going to go ahead and take the 19 and a half with uh, Miami covering, not winning, but covering that spread against Alabama. My second pick is Clemson minus the three over Georgia. I'm a big believer in DJ. I think Georgia does not have the offensive weapons to keep up with Clemson and their offensive weapons. They've got a ton 
and DJ showed you last year that he is ready. I mean, going on going on the road to Notre Dame and playing the way he did, I think he's ready. Uh, Clemson will it'll be a bowl game style atmosphere, so it's not like he'll be intimidated by the environment. I'm taking Clemson minus the three. Give me the better quarterback. Uh, yeah, there's your Max Kellerman take of the day. Um, I would take DJ over uh, JT Daniels at Georgia. Uh, Max Kellerman take of the day brought to you by you if you want it to be. And then uh, Missouri, minus 14 against Central Michigan at home. Uh, those are the only three picks I, I've got for you this weekend. I am 0-0-1 zero, zero, because I only picked one game last night. And uh, there you go. Missouri minus 14 at home against Central Michigan. Clemson minus three neutral site against Georgia. And Miami plus the 19 and a half neutral site against Alabama. UNLV's over-under wins was one and a half. I didn't know that. Ooh, that's, uh, ooh, that's tough. That's tough. They get to play in, uh, in the Roomba there, though, don't they? I think they get to play where the Raiders play. They just... They have like a mechanism that comes down and like completely blocks, not tarps, but like blocks the upper decks. So it doesn't even look like they're there. Very similar to what Atlanta does with the, the soccer games there and uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Didn't know they were that bad, though. Sean says, I think Ohio State acted too cocky. The horrible blown coverages made it the gap it did. Overrated. Um I think that uh, I don't know if it's necessarily cockiness as much as I think they've got holes. Uh, holes that Minnesota exploited. Um, and again, it, you know, if Ohio State stops Minnesota on that fourth and two, maybe the game is a complete blowout, but they didn't, and Minnesota kept it close. But I, I think it's Ohio State's got problems in the back end of the defense that manifested last year and carried over from last year to this year. And I think C.J. Stroud is going to go through some growing pains as a young starting quarterback. And when you're a team like Ohio State, People don't have as much patience as they should. So who do you like, Louisiana Tech plus 23 or State minus 23? Um, I think State will cover that. I just That's not one that I'm comfortable enough uh, to you know put on my, my permanent record that is so very important. Um, I, I, don't, I don't bet much on, uh, on football as far as volume because there's not a whole lot available for me to bet if you guys catch my drift but yeah i think state should cover i expect them to uh, for sure so thank you guys so much for tuning in don't forget, to, don't forget to subscribe to the youtube channel i will be on the radio of course this afternoon and then live with you guys late tomorrow night uh, after most of the games have ended there will still be some going on but after most of them have ended i will fire up the stream and talk to you guys on saturday night and uh, I'll see you then. So you all have a great weekend in the meantime. And uh, I'll talk to you guys on Sunday night. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.